Last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. Merry Christmas, Mark. Ho, ho, ho. Yes, a Merry Christmas to you, sir. <laughs> it is the most confusing roll of stamps, okay? Because I think I've put some upside down, like, you know, that's if, if you're in distress, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, maybe yeah, that's, that's how I send all my bills with them upside down. I, I peel them off. I'm like, which way is up? It's the, you know, the universal symbol for distress is the flag upside down. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I, I thought of the first Christmas in, in 1970. It was actually December 25th. It's Christmas is typically on that day. But I remember that. I can remember during the, the day uh, I got into it with sister number three or something. And I, my mother and my father says, don't hit your sister. That's what yogi's for. With Santa uh, smoking parliaments? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Santa's <laughs> handwriting after he took the cookies seemed to be similar to my father's. Try and keep it kind of positive. So there were a few things, of course, that happened that were negative, but I figured... Like oh, all those airline crashes? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah once to think about that at Christmas time. That's- I, I love some of Dean Martin's Christmas carols, though. You know, Let It Snow. Oh, it's sure. great. I mean, you can picture him standing there with a cocktail in his hand and a tuxedo. <laughs> and a cigarette in the other hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's Bing's real first name? Oh, boy. This I should know, but I do not. <laughs> I don't recall. Bada, bada Bing? No, I don't. <laughs> 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 version or whatever, but I saw another picture where it was like we were seeing a little bit of uh as as you know the guy who invented the miniskirt said Seymour Heine <laughs> <laughs> oh that one that's the original pressing yeah there's the... Mr. Heine would have liked that Funny, we don't talk about album covers too much other than our, our, our list of the most disturbing album covers, but the, this one might make the most disturbing Christmas album cover. <laughs> it's not that bad, but just there's something about it that gave me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Give me some gold power and let me work. Hmm, wonder who this is. <laughs> and and on a scale of uh, what is it? <laughs> one to two. One to two. <laughs> I think this is not enough.
Hello again, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends reveal a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Roback, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Happy New Year, Mark. 1973. And 2024? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is a, uh, we're, we're going back 51 years right now to uh, to the end of that year. What typically happens is uh, Casey Kasem takes some time off and records a, a couple episodes and gives us the rundown of the year in review. I've seen that, a lot of that in the newspapers and stuff recently. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I, I, you know. I get a little fatigued by that stuff that the, uh turn over the calendar but yeah so i hope you had a merry christmas ah, i did yeah yeah very very nice time went over my uh as i talked about last episode over my nieces and uh uh-huh. side of the family and uh, had a really nice time i think i told you we played this game called uh was i i okay boomer or something like that but it was basically <laughs> the the old folks like me and uh gail's brother had to ask the young folks questions that we knew and then vice versa. And, uh, uh-huh. I, I, we, we did pretty terrible on the, you know, the current stuff. Like they, they like showed the Nikki Manja stuff. Who's that? Well, name? not even that. Like they were showing these icons of, of, you know, like TikTok stuff on your phone. And, yeah. And yeah. I couldn't get Spotify, which is what this podcast is on. <laughs> I thought it was the Bluetooth icon. <laughs> you know how old that is? Yeah. So Christmas isn't over by the time this comes out. I don't know. It'll come out New Year's Eve or whatever. But uh, yeah. 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 On the day before, we're having. Two of my sisters and their families are showing up, and uh, we had a nice time here. My mother-in-law showed up, and it's very nice. You know, in all, I had, I'm going to have 22 days off in total between the last day I worked and when I plugged back in. Wow. So, uh, so I almost feel like you, the retired yeah, guy. Yeah, this is a taste of retirement for you. Yeah. And I still didn't get all my stuff done on my to-do list. Oh, yeah. Of course, you and I... Had a nice luncheon yesterday, get together at uh, absolutely in, in your town, and we got a photo op in front of the famous Butolf Williams house. <laughs> That's right, which was really good. Yeah, it was a good time yesterday. It was good, good to get together. No, I, I couldn't believe it. we were there after lunchtime. The place was empty. And, <laughs> and, like, and I was there the week before with my brother-in-law after he helped me with some yard work. And I said both times to the same barmaid that was there, I says, what's going on? Is there an AA meeting going on? <laughs> where, where is everybody? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, is that typical for a weekday or is it just because we're. I've know, only been there days? twice, you know, in, you know, I, I, I go there once in a while, you know, it, it, it's the best dive bar in, in uh, that's closest to the butt off Williams house. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I can remember, you know, because the the church that uh, we go to is kind of kitty corner. You know, it's about a four minute walk, 
And when my my daughter, when she was four years old, she was in the cherub choir. And I brought her there and introduced and, you know, they started doing their thing. I'm like, all right. And I walked and I had a beer and I came back <laughs> and the choir director, who was a wonderful man, God rest his soul. He says, I expect the parents to be here the whole time. I'm like, you know, <laughs> like darn it. <laughs> Busted. Busted. So I don't, I don't think he knew where I went, but, uh, Great experience. I was in the church choir growing up, and it was nice that my daughter was was also. So, yeah, yeah great. All right. Um, so, uh, did you get any uh, mail between the two episodes? Because uh, I got uh, one piece I'd like to talk about. Are you sitting up straight? That's good. Welcome to Zip Code. Learn it today. Send your mail out. All right. So, uh, yeah, so this came in, I literally went down to the mailbox after we recorded the last episode and it was there. So it did come in before Christmas time and I'm holding it up on Channel 18 there. WHCT, Channel 18. Just watch us now. Just watch us now. And mm-hmm. it's uh, some lovely family pictures of Peter and the woman he's related to by marriage. And, and also the young woman he's related to by <laughs> fatherhood. <laughs> <laughs> And then they're uh, they're two uh, lovely little dogs, and it says "Merry Christmas, love the Gardo family." And then on the back side, there's another picture of their lovely two dogs, and it says "Best wishes for a happy 2024 too." Love Peter, et cetera, et cetera, and hooray and Willow. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I use the zip code, and I think I made sure you're. Uh, unit number was on there correctly. So yes, every, everything was correct. I don't have the envelope handy, but uh, every everything was fine. Both Bob Steele and Ethel Merman would be pleased. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All righty. So, um, as you can tell, Pete and I have been friends for a long time—thirty-five plus years. We met in college and then ended up working together also for a long time. And in each episode, we normally review all 40 songs in the Chosen Week's Countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we will provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer. And we'll give our individual A-plus through F-grade for the entire countdown, Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. All right. So, Mark, today is episode number 67 of the 70s Weekly Content with Mark and Pete, the American Top 40 from December 23rd, 1972. The bottom 25 of the AT40 top 80 of 1972. Yes. Boy, so that, that's a mouthful. It is. I, <laughs> in fact, I probably should type that out to help you, but uh, I, I, I <laughs> no, I wrote, I wrote it down. It's in red. 
Uh, that, that's good. But yeah, so, so a little bit out of the ordinary. We've done a, we did this one other time too at the end of the year. Was it 1974 we did maybe? I think. 1974, yeah. Yeah. We, we got overdosed on 1974 last year. Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, the, the title of this is I'm Still in Love with Sylvia's Mother Layla in the New Year. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so... Do you know what you were doing in late December around Christmas time, New Year's time of 1972? Yeah, yeah. So uh, second grade, Mrs. Furlong was my homeroom teacher. You kind of s- stuck in the same spot in <clears throat> elementary school. And uh, so I went to the 1972 December uh, page of the date book and it was kind of empty. And then I remembered, I went to the 1973 date book and it had December 72 in it and it was chock-a-block full of, of data. So, uh, you know, turn that calendar and start afresh. Yeah. But on the, tw- on the 23rd, my father's date book, it says capital N, capital O, capital K party. I don't know what that means. N-O-K. And I didn't look it up either. <laughs> so... Uh. But what's what's kind of interesting about the calendar uh, for December and January, it's the same exact cadence as where we are right now. So the dates lined up. Ah. And I think 1972 was a leap year. I didn't look that hard. But I know that this coming year is a leap year. So we, maybe we can put a bonus episode in since we have an extra day coming up. <laughs> what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I, I I always joke at work. Ah, we're we're going to be right on schedule this year. We have an extra day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've heard me say that, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I I wonder too. Did AT forty ever do one on the leap day? Probably. Oh, it must have that, fallen at some point. Yeah, yeah. And then on on New Year's Eve, uh, in the date book, it says Altschwagers nine. So we went down, or at least my folks did, went down to the neighbors that lived two doors down from where I grew up, the Altschwagers. Wonderful family. I think they were from uh, the upper Midwest. Very, very nice people. And uh, I've lived in the same place now for coming up 30 years. And and maybe because it's a kind of a busier road and and stuff but i have relationships with folks but not like i think we had growing up but then again there were lots of kids and stuff even though they were older but uh it's different times and yeah uh, but uh good good memories so uh what were you up to yeah yeah not, not too much specific for me i'll mention that i had uh let's see that would have been the third grade right that was mrs hill i believe but uh, Gail's spy pads and things were kind of a treasure trove. So I've got two here because she kind of, like your father, switched over in the, in, at the end of the month. I've got oh, this wonderful. tiny yellow one I don't think we've seen before. The brand is Paper King, and it's a memo book, 90 sheets, costs 29 cents, and it's made by Eastern Tablet Company in, uh, is it? Something L- Lanai, New York, East Lanai, or I, I don't know. Albany. 
But you, uh, so what was it called? Paper King? Paper King. Paper Dash King. Did you ever go to Chess King? No. <laughs> Do you know what that was? No, I don't. <laughs> so so at the Ingleside Mall up in on the deadmalls.com website, they someone uh, they had a uh, old stuff about the, the Ingleside Mall, and I guess it's in Holyoke or something. And a colleague of ours, Jim S., grew up in the area. He says, oh, yeah, I remember going to all those stores. Yeah, Chess King. That's where you would you'd get all your, you know, pistachio shoes or whatever they're called, you know, those pointy shoes and parachute pants and junk like oh. that. And I don't <laughs> okay. know if they had one at the, at the mall. I know they didn't have one at the, you know, where the hockey team played in that mall. I really never went to the mall uh, to the the west of us, or right. to the south of or southeast of where I grew up. Did did yeah. you go there much growing up? Um, quite a bit because it was it was kind of a big deal when it when they put that in. And um, but I don't remember that store at all. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know that they had one there. Chess but, King, yeah. <laughs> For all those um, that remember Chess King, you know, send us. Uh, uh, your memories to at to the Twitter feed at seventies weekly at seven zeros weekly. Yeah, yeah. So the just uh, as I mentioned, so she switched over to this larger uh, spy pad, if you will, and this one is it's nine and a half inch by six inch, and it's uh, eighty nine cents. It's a Herald Square three subject notebook, and it says it was from Woolworth Woolco. Nice. So, but um, anyway, some interesting stuff and funny stuff in here. So, first of all, on December 24th, 1972, she talks about the TV show Temperatures Rising, which was with Paul Lind. And <laughs> th that she liked, uh, she liked the show and the other kids in her class knew that she liked it. So they used to call her 88 because the show was on channel eight at 8 p.m oh my goodness <laughs> so, yeah. wow so that's that's pretty funny and then she talks she talks about the highlights in the in the larger uh notebook um from december 72 and she talked about apollo 17 being the last man moon mission for a long time and how her cousin who he, he was somewhat like a second cousin i think what who Pete may know because he worked at our company in configuration management for many years, uh, Donald E or Don E. And he told the whole English class that Gail's dad had won the lottery. <laughs> 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 and then uh, Gail went on to say that uh, on New Year's Eve, she listened to the top 100 songs countdown and then she said of of our state on WDRC. So I don't oh, know sure. if that, that was a local countdown. Yeah, it was a local countdown, and they used to publish it in the newspaper. Ah, okay. So maybe we can find a link to that, um, put it in the show notes. That was interesting. And then I thought this was <laughs> kind of hilarious. Uh, yeah, her spy pad 15, which was the, the smaller one, ends with a quote, and it says, Always remember that life is beautiful if you make it that way. She then says in parentheses, I read that on the lavatory wall today. It's the first thing I've seen written in the lab that wasn't obscene. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Moving on to our correction section, I have a few. I was. <laughs> I was not exactly right. You mean you were wrong? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Malfa. I was what you just said I was just then. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had anything. No, I I, I didn't. Okay, and, that's good. You're you're more uh, accurate than I am. Well, no, because I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. One of the things was um, we talked about whether there was a Kiss Christmas special, the band Kiss. You had mentioned there was that movie they made that, that Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park, and that was in 1978. But I think what threw us a little bit is on the Family Guy, the, the episode is... Uh, a very special family guy freaking Christmas had a satirical movie, Kiss Saves Santa. So <laughs> I thought uh, that was real for some reason, but uh, yeah. but apparently not. Family guy, we, we don't watch in this house. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, yeah. a little too much. Yeah. E- even even for me, who I, I have a lot of tolerance, it goes over the edge for me yeah. a lot. Also, I talked about and and she mentioned it in her in her spy pad that uh, uh, Gail's father had won the lottery. And I said he was on the TV show while well, I talked to Gail's brother over Christmas. And he said, no, uh, he did win in 1972 in the summer. It was like what, and it was the first, I think, grand drawing they had. And it was just a public drawing held under a tent at the Enfield square mall. And speaking uh, of dead malls. Right. Right. And his number was one of the early ones drawn and the prize increased with each drawing. And uh, he won $10,000 in 1972, which is 73,500 wow. today. Now that, that was a quite a big thing. And I looked up uh, per Wikipedia, the lottery in our state was signed into law in 1971. The first drawing was in February of 1972. And I also we also talked about Dana Hersey, the host of the movie Loft. But before he did that, he hosted our state's weekly lottery game show on mm-hmm. WFSB in the mid seventies, and he started each show by saying, "Are you feeling lucky?" Which I remember <laughs> vividly, actually. So, <laughs> so yeah, some some corrections, but also some tie-ins to uh, what Gail had in our spy pad. So. Well, we have uh, one uh, in uh, one in memoriam. Is that am I saying? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. And uh, Tommy Smothers uh, of the Smothers Brothers passed away. And uh, you know, growing up, their their TV show was on once in a while. Uh, growing up, you know, him and his and his younger brother and stuff that went way over our our heads as being you know, five, six, seven-year-olds or whatever it was, even even younger than that, because I think it was canceled in 1970. They uh, they were actually on public TV earlier this month. They were hosting a, uh, a folk rock thing. It was probably produced about 20 years ago. And they did their shtick, you know, with the guitar and the and Tommy playing the dumb guy. But uh, but I have, a, I have a story about Tommy Smothers. So, uh, and it's through my uh, dad's sister's husband, Uncle Andy, Reading his obituary today in the paper, live in the same town in Northern California. And uh, my uncle Andy went to play golf or they had a spare hole in their their group. What do they call him? The captain? Who's the guy that sets people up at the golf course? Uh, the starter. The, the starter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> a tea yeah. boss. Yeah. <laughs> he's, usually, he's usually a grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so the grumpy old man said to Uncle Andy, he says, hey, can you take Tommy? And so my Uncle Andy, probably 20 years ago or so, maybe 15 years ago, played a round of golf with Tommy Smothers. And this was a uh, on a golf course that has houses around it. And uh, Tom hit his ball into someone's yard, which like I would probably do every time I hit the ball. And so he walked over there to get his ball. And the homeowner was out there saying, this is private property. You can't get your ball. So Tommy Smothers reached into his pocket, threw another ball at his feet. He says, every dick needs two balls. <laughs> so, so that's that's my Tommy Smothers story through my Uncle Andy. So yeah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I my one thing about Tommy Smothers, and I I think I could probably find this clip and put it in the show notes, but my my brother number one said he saw this live on the Smothers Brothers show and he thought it was the most hilarious thing. It's the, the two of them come out and they start playing this song. When John Henry was a little baby, sitting on his father's knee, he picked up a hammer and a piece of steel. And then Tommy goes, goo goo gaga, geeky gaga. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. I, the, the history of their whole show is interesting. You know, they were subversive for the time and constantly running mm -hmm. into the censorship issues and stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, but they were they were two talented guys. I I remember seeing them quite a bit in the seventies, early seventies yeah. for sure. So, anything else in the news there uh, from this time in nineteen seventy two? Yeah, yeah, a few few things. Um, few things we've talked about before too. But um, yeah, on December twenty third, sixteen plane crash survivors uh, were rescued from uh, Uruguayan uh, Air Force Flight five seventy one after seventy two days. Uh, on the Andean Mountains that was dramatized in the book and movie Alive. And if you if you know anything about that, uh, they had to resort to some pretty horrible means to to survive. But it, it's, mm. it's an amazing story. Kind of like the Donner Party. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then also on December 23rd, the Immaculate Reception by Franco Harris of the Steelers turns around a 7-6 to six defeat with a last-second touchdown reception against the Raiders. So they, uh, the Steelers won 13-7, and uh, I saw a lot of that on Twitter. You, you could go watch the film, and you don't actually see Franco make the catch. There's just no TV angle like nowadays. Like there they, is now. Yeah. Nowadays, they'd have the ball, you know, filling the whole screen <laughs> as hands. That's a, that's a very famous. They get they have a plaque of where it happened because they tore down that stadium and they built the the new one. Yeah, and, and they have a plaque in the parking lot. And I know my uh, Gail's brother and my nephew, who are big Steelers fans, as they've gone down there and they've they've seen the plaque it's in the parking mm -hmm. lot yeah <laughs> well much like up in foxborough they have the point where adam venateri kicked the ball in that snowstorm against the raiders yeah <laughs> where the stadium used to be yeah 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 and then uh december 29th life magazine ceases publication so did they did it right. come back though sort of you know yeah or they would the time they would life put out special 
specials and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I, re- I remember when that happened. Not that we had Life Magazine kicking around the house. I, I can recall that. Yeah. yeah. It's just like <laughs> now, uh, what what ceased publication recently? Like everything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know how many things you can still get in print in terms of magazines. Actually, I got a, uh, for Christmas, I got a, a magazine. My daughter got it at a bookstore, at, I think the Barnes & Noble. And it's... Uh, it's about uh you know chevrolets you know hot rod chevrolets of course it's all camaros and novas and malibus and my my station wagon isn't in there but it was it was a great thought and uh, (laughs) those are fun to read yeah yeah and then uh so december 30th u.s president richard nixon halts bombing of north vietnam and announces peace talks Mm. so that's the beginning of the end of the vietnam war and then uh, 1972 tech, uh, you know, Gail talked about this in her spy pad, December 19th, Apollo 17, which was the last of the Apollo moon landing series, returns to Earth, splashing down in the Pacific Ocean, southwest, 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 southeast no. of Samoa. <laughs> One of my favorite punk rock bands from like 40 years ago was called the Angry Samoans. Uh, ever, ever hear of them? The, the punk rock band? No, but yeah. but were they, did they get that name from, remember there was the wrestling guys, the Samoans, the, tw- oh. the twins back in the 70s, oh, you know, okay. in the era of Georgie Animal Steel and Chief J Strongbow and Andre the Giant, you know, that <laughs> when we were kids, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I never, I never watched wrestling until I was out of college. Yeah. And I, I went to the, I went to the, to the big hockey stadium. I saw wrestling once. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and who, who are those guys from Australia? You know, fake guys from the... What the heck were they called? Uh, they go like this. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I'm I, my I, arms back and forth. I didn't, I didn't pay much attention to it when I went at, at that time, so I don't know. Oh, so you weren't there like we were at the uh no, I never I never Yeah, I, I never went to see wrestling. I mean, even as kids, I wasn't into it, but I, I wasn't my, into it. At all. My friends were into it, you know, they were always talking about it and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. All right. To give you an idea of what the economy was like in 1972, unemployment rate 5.9%, inflation rate 4.3%. Not bad numbers, really, considering. And uh, same buying power of today's dollar was about 14 cents back then. Cost of a gallon of regular gas was 36 cents. That's about 264 today. And Pete, does that match any of your real-time data? On the gasoline, gasoline, motor oil, motor oil. and product Well, you're pretty close. So on the 28th, which is five days later, the... 1972 VW bus, which was brand new, 34.9 cents a gallon for 16.3 miles per gallon. What's interesting about this, it's the end of the year. And so in the uh, automobile logs, it was uh, that vehicle was 13.3 cents uh, operating cost per mile. Miles per gallon was uh, average was 24.7. No, excuse me, that's backwards. 16.7 uh, miles per gallon. And uh, 
1970 VW Squareback was filled up on this day, the 23rd, for 37.9 miles per gallon. It got 21 miles per gallon. And, and that vehicle, its operating expense was 13.3 cents per mile. So I have all that data in case you're wondering about 50-year-old vehicles and how much it cost back then. But uh, <laughs> so the the bus it was brand new. It only had 18, excuse me, 1,896 miles, but the Squareback had 7,800 miles. So, and and I did not go back to get the operating expenses of the 64 Chevy. All righty. So uh, some TV highlights from uh, the week of this countdown. Uh, interesting stuff. Wednesday, December 20th, CBS at 8, the Sunny and Cher Comedy Hour at show 32. And this was Christmas episode, season two, episode 13, with William Conrad. And at the end, they have this like nice thing, which you can find it on YouTube, where they're dressed in kind of the like Dickens characters, and it's this snowy village, and Conrad sings the first Noel, which is great. And then Cher mm-hmm. does the Oh Holy Night rendition that Paul Schaefer would continually mock on the late night for, for many years. So I, I went out and, uh, and watched it recently. It, uh, but it's it's entertaining. And yeah, William Conrad, you, you've talked about how he was in all the radio programs. He's got a great singing oh, yeah. voice. It's fantastic. Yeah. 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 So sometime last week, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I went down to the refrigerator and I turned on the TV and there was an episode of Cannon and he was a trucker or something, you know, <laughs> all. And who was who was in that episode with him? He really hadn't gotten like into the fat man, you know. He was big. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, but, uh, yeah. Cause Jake and the fat man, right. Was that's the, right. The, the later show. <laughs> that's right. I remember, uh, you know, David Letterman's uh, top 10 lists and he had one where it was like the top 10 complaints of Batman. And then he gets in the middle and it says, it says, you know, like number five, too many episodes focus mostly on Jake. And then he goes, Oh, wait a minute. That's top 10 complaints of the fat man. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on uh on the same wednesday abc at 8 30 the julie andrews hour i don't i don't remember that but uh season know, one either episode 14 and they, and they had uh, jimmy stewart joel gray carl reiner jack benny cass elliott steve lawrence rich little jack cassidy and tom smothers so wow, wow. you know that's what an all-star uh, cast yeah that's a Real all-star cast. Lots of good talent there. And then um, moving on to Thursday, December 21st, NBC at 8, The Flip Wilson Show, Season 3, Episode 14, with Chris Christopherson and Rita Coolidge, also Slappy White and Tim Conway. And Flip and Tim play post office employees who do all the right things wrong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they sort in the things, you know, wrong based on the zip code. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Luke Wilson was great. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we used to watch, that was one thing we watched growing up. Yeah. And then uh, Friday, December 22nd, ABC at 8, The Brady Bunch. And the episode is Everyone Can't Be George Washington, season four, episode 12. And Peter tries out for the role of George Washington in the school play, but he ends up as Benedict Arnold. Mm. I remember this that, episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was just on earlier this month. Yeah. And uh, and I watched it. And 
Uh, Peter was figuring out ways that he could get out the out of the show by losing his voice and having rheumatism or something. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> also Benedict Arnold from our state. That's right. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. right. Traitor. <laughs> yep. Uh, then uh, moving on to do kids, do kids still call? I mean, civics isn't taught any taught anymore, and it, neither is history. You know, to, 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 I'd have to ask my daughter if she knows who Benedict Arnold is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Good, good, good question. Yeah. Um, but if you if you read about him, um, you know, it's not it's, it's not all black and white. He was a traitor, but uh, he had his reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but uh, yeah, moving on to Saturday, December 23rd, the day of the countdown, NBC at 8, Tennessee Ernie Ford's White Christmas special with Lou Rawls, Claudine Langer, Lynn Anderson, Matt Davis, and the Mike Curb Congregation. So we've we've talked about just about all of those those people at at one point or another in Mm in our little podcast here. And then CBS at 10. The Carol Burnett Show, season six, episode 14, with Steve Lawrence, Tim Conway, and Carol and the cast do a takeoff on a talk show and spoof Columbo. I don't I don't wow. remember that. So I'll have to try to find that. Watch yeah, that. Steve Lawrence yeah. is having a busy December. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, uh, Monday, Christmas Day, uh, CBS at eight, opening night USA a musical variety hour covering the broad spectrum of opening nights from nightclubs to the theater. Included will be Sammy Davis Jr.'s opening at Harrah's in Lake Tahoe, Milton Burroughs opening at the Desert Inn in Las Vegas, and The Fifth Dimension performing a medley of their hits in a Boston Music Hall performance. I wonder if the Boston Pops were there. So uh, anything at the... uh... Paris or Rialto Theater that you went to? Yeah, yeah. Something that, uh, again, we've talked about before on December 12th, a little bit earlier in the month, The Poseidon Adventure, starring Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, Shelley Winters, and Jack Alperson. And that also featured the number one hit and Academy Award-winning song, The Morning After by Maureen McGovern. Yeah. And, of course, we, we talked about in our... Uh, no disco like show disco episode. How Ernest Borgnine and Ethel Merman were married for a very short time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, have you have you seen the Poseidon Adventure? No. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another one you gotta you gotta see. It's pretty good. I always remember the Mad Magazine takeoff because there's a scene in the actual movie where the the the, the kid in the movie he goes into the bathroom and the the urinals are upside down. And he's looking around, and then in in the Mad Magazine thing, it's like the kid's in there, and he goes, "I feel sick, seasick. I think I'm going to throw down." <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what would uh, Casey say? Yeah, Casey would say, "Now on with the countdown." This is number eighty, folks. We're doing the bottom 25 of the top 80. (laughs) 
I don't remember this song, and I don't think we've had it on our previous episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there it is. The Witch Queen of New Orleans by Redbone. I, I was the same way. I thought, uh, uh, for some reason, I, it looked familiar, but no, I had not heard it. And this is uh, from their album Message from a Drum. And this one peaked at number 21 and got to number two in the UK. The Witch Queen of New Orleans is about a 19th century practitioner of voodoo from New Orleans named Marie Laveau, referred to in the song's lyrics as Marie La Voodoo Vo. And the song was uh, written by the two Native American brothers of the group Redbone, Lolly Vegas and Pat Vegas. And it shows the influences from New Orleans R&B and swamp pop. I've never heard of swamp pop, but (laughs) But, uh, Redbone is, of course, best known for their number five billboard hit, Come and Get Your Love in 1970. Yeah, great song. And that's their only other hit. Yeah. So the... uh, Producers at the American Top 40, of course, don't wait till the end of the year to put this out. So, number 80 on the real countdown was the Troglodyte Caveman song that we've had before. And The Witch of uh, New Orleans was number 81. So, very close. All right, I didn't look it up. Uh... (laughs) It's 1972. How about V? Yes, you are correct, sir. So, yeah, we've had this one quite a bit before. Saturday in the Park by Chicago. It is, and uh, this one went to number III and was their biggest chart hit to that point or to this point, and also their first gold single. And it was written by Robert Lamb, who wrote this after a particularly exhilarating Fourth of July spent in New York Central Park, where there were steel drum players, singers, and dancers and jugglers. Lamb and Peter Cetera sang the lead on the track, and Robert Lamb based the melody of this song on You Won't See Me by the Beatles, something he openly admitted. And the song contains some of the most famous nonsense singing in rock. After Robert Lamb sings the line, singing Italian songs, he sings some made-up approximated words of the Italian language. So this was number 76 in the actual Billboard Top 100. This is doesn't sound like housewife rock, does it? No. But she put out more of this stuff or had more hits with this stuff. I told you how Franny at work has met uh, uh, Vincent a number of times, didn't I? No. Yeah. So, actually, at golf tournaments and stuff. Ah. Of course, Vincent Fournier, is that his real name? Yeah. Yeah. He's a scratch golfer. 
Yeah. In fact, I read his book, Golf Monster. Oh, yeah? He talks a lot about how, yeah, basically he took up golf and became obsessed with it to help him with his alcohol problem. Ah. So, yeah, this is School's Out off of Alice Cooper's album, School's Out. This was his biggest hit, getting to number seven. The uh, title of the song was inspired by a warning often said in the Bowery Boys movies in which the <laughs> characters declare to another school's out, meaning to wise up. And the Bowery Boys were characters featured in 48 movies that ran from 1946 to 1958. And in a 2008 Esquire interview, Cooper said, when we did Schools Out, I knew we had just done the national anthem. I've become the Francis Scott Key of the last day of school. Nice. <laughs> uh, the chorus of children who sing on this uh, was put together by producer Bob Ezrin. And in 1979, Ezrin used another kid's chorus when he produced Another Brick in the Wall, part two for Pink Floyd. And I wonder if the, they got paid for this one, the schools, because wasn't that a controversy? Or was that with uh, We Will Rock You with Queen? There was something where they used like a group of kids and they. Oh, I don't know. But Bob Ezrin did a lot of work with Kiss. He's recently worked with Deep Purple. He's done a lot of a lot of stuff. So, who were the two most important characters in the Bowery Boys? Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. I do not know. I'm not a Bowery oh. Boys fan. <laughs> Hunts Hall and Leo Gorsi. Oh, okay. Have you seen all 48 of those movies? No, I <laughs> used to see them on, uh, you know, Matinee at the Bijou, you know, 40 years ago. On public TV. So that was actually number 75 uh, in the real countdown this song was actually number 73 so a delta of four they don't abuse it never gonna lose it i can't refuse it well i never been to england you've been there yes and I'm supposed to go to Spain um, in June next year. Nice. So, yeah, this has never been to Spain by Three Dog Night of their album Harmony. And this was written by Hoyt Axton and originally released on his 1971 LP Joy to the World. This cover features Corey Wells on lead vocal. It's got to number five. And... Hoyt Exton, who was born in Oklahoma, explained that he originally wrote in Oklahoma, born in a coma. However, it was considered inappropriate. Thus, the lyrics were changed to not Arizona. Uh, these guys uh, were Billboard's number one singles artists of 1971. And they had the n- number one song in uh, 1971, Joy to the World, which was another Hoyt Exton written song. So we're up to number 76 with the American Top 40. 
replacements. And this one was number 77 and I'm in the real countdown. But now I'm drowning in the sea I know John Simon. I don't know Joe Simon. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, this is Drowning in the Sea of Love by Joe Simon uh, off the album Drowning in the Sea of Love. And this was uh, his fourth of eight U.S. Top 40 hits uh, in early 1972. This song reached number 11. And Joe Simon's biggest hit would come in 1975 with Get Down, Get Down, Get On the Floor, which got to number eight. And uh, Joe unfortunately passed away in December of 2021 at the age of 85. It's a nice song. Yeah, I like this one. So speaking of Apollo 17, this is a song by our good old friend isn't it Bach <laughs> yes <laughs> ah Bach Johann Sebastian Bach <laughs> yeah and the band is called Apollo 100 right and this is Joy and Apollo 100 was a short-lived British instrumental group founded by arranger and multi-instrumentalist Tom Parker not not Colonel Tom Parker, different different one. And uh, this uh, 1971 instrumental pop hit record by Apollo 11, excuse me, Apollo 100. Boy, it's a contemporary rendition of a 1723 composition by Mr. Johann Sebastian Bach, entitled Jesus, Joy of Man's Desiring, shortened to simply Joy. And the song reached number six on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in January of 1972 and number two on the adult contemporary chart. And this is considered as progressive pop, baroque pop type of genre song. So, <laughs> Boy, this song stinks. I can't believe that it got up to number 74 in the American Top 40 producers and number 70 in the real countdown. I remember I panned this when we had it last time. Yeah. You liked it. I actually, I think I guilty pleasured this one. Better talk about it before I make it skip. Yeah, I don't know when they get to the hook, but uh, there is no hook. Yeah, this is a cowboy's work is never done by Sonny and Cher, and it's off their album All I Ever Need Is You. And this one peaked at number eight, written by Sonny Bono. Maybe, maybe that's why. 
what the song was uh, Sonny and Sheer's last top 10 hit together in the United States. And when Sheer performed it on their TV show, with uh, it was a cartoon music video produced by John David Wilson. Sheer's solo career was booming at this time. And uh, Sonny, unfortunately, uh, died of his injuries in a skiing accident in 1998 at the age of 62. But Cher, or her real name, Sherilyn Sarkeesian, is uh, 77 years old. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Well, I always think of you with this, your Bagel Friday stuff. (laughs) Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Ford? Oh, yeah. No, no. You, you keep getting that mixed up. I don't think I ever parodied this one. I did uh, Uneasy Rider. <laughs> oh. Well, whatever. I still think of you. I'm sorry. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, this is Hot Rod Lincoln by Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen uh, off the album Lost in the Ozone. Um, it would peak at number nine, and we talk about how this sounds a lot. Or we talked about how this sounds a lot like the smoking song from the 1940s. Character met the guy that invented the cigarette. I'd murder that son of a gun in the first degree. Now it ain't cause that I don't smoke myself, and I don't reckon they hinder your health. I've smoked them all my life, and I ain't dead yet. And this was written by Charlie Ryan, and it was first recorded and released by Charlie Ryan in the Livingston Brothers in 1955. And while the song tells of a race between a Lincoln and a Cadillac on the grapevine grade in California, the actual location was on the Lewiston grade in Idaho. And, and this was the only hit for Commander Cody and his boss, Planet Airmen. They were a country rock group formed at the University of Michigan. And Commander Cody. Blue. The uh, Commander Cody is the lead singer and piano player. His real name is George Frayne, the IV, the fourth. And uh, he passed away in 2021 at the age of 77. I always like that line, the guy beside me was white as a ghost. <laughs> On to number 72. And they called it puppy love. Was this the Steve Lawrence song we talked about last time? Or was that the other one that Donnie did? That was the other one, I think. Oh. I forget what it was called. Um, Go Away, Little Girl? Yeah, Go Away, Little Girl. Yeah. So this was actually number 67 in the real countdown, and here we are at number 72. Yeah. Difference of five. And, of course, uh, yeah, Puppy Love by Donny Osmond, one of Gail's favorite performers of the early 70s. And... uh, off his album Portrait of Donnie. I may have the album in the Gail's uh, final collection that I still have, but uh, this one peaked at number three. Paul Anka wrote this song about Annette Funicello, with whom he was having an affair with during a package tour when they were both 17 years old. And his version went to number two in 1960. And uh, at this point, this was Donnie's fourth top 40 hit, and all of them were top tens with Go Away Little Girl going to number one in 1971. 
He would have a career total of 13 top 40s, stretching into the 1990s, and 10 of those in the 70s. And Donnie just turned 66 on December 9th, so he should be on Medicare for about a year right now. And uh, But he still needs to call and check his zip code. <laughs> That's right. You know, I farced this episode and I was looking at the uh, at the printed page and I'm like, I don't remember the song. Now I remember it. But it's yeah. This sounds like it could be written by Paul Anko also. Could be, yeah. Yeah, Don't Say You Don't Remember by Beverly Bremers and uh, off the album I'll Make You Music. This was written by Helen Miller and Estelle Levitt. It was originally recorded by The Goggles in 1970. This Beverly version. Say that fast three times. Yeah. While standing it's on your like, head. It's like a BB, you know, we've got the Maureen McCormick and Maureen McGovern and <laughs> Melissa Manchester. Beverly <laughs> Bemmers, yeah. So this version peaked at number 15. The song's initial release in the spring of uh, 1971 had been only minimally successful in the U.S. It got to number 102. However, audio airplay by stations in California prompted the song's re-release in December affording it a much greater American chart success during the winter. And Beverly Ann uh, Bremers uh, is an American singer and actress. She had roles on Broadway, including in Hair. She had uh, another chart hit with We're Free in 1972 that squeaked in at number 40. And she's still with us. She's 73 years old. So she was quite young when she did this. Oh, yeah. So this is interesting. This is a delta of 15. It was 86 in the real the real uh, year-ending countdown. So, so not even okay, in the top 80. Yeah. Next song is one of your favorites of all time, at least the LP cover. Yes, so this is Coconut by Harry Nielsen off the album Nielsen Schmielsen. It's another one that's not too easy to say. But, uh, yeah, this was uh, released as the, thir- the third single from that 1971 album. It was on the U.S. Billboard charts for 14 weeks, reaching number eight. And uh, Harry Nielsen did a lot of music in his career, a lot for movies. He had eight top 40 hits. His biggest was Without You, that went to number one. And Everybody's Talking, which went to number six. And it won the Grammy Award in uh, 1969 after it was featured in the film Midnight Cowboy. And uh, never saw it. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, Harry Nielsen passed away from a heart attack in 1993, only at the age of 52. Mm. 
So I'm looking at the uh, LP cover here. His robe doesn't have a uh, uh, a belt. What do you call that thing? What's, uh, what's the thing? I, that's what I would call it—a belt or a tie or uh, a tie. Yeah, yeah. Good thing he's holding it like that. I wonder yeah. if he has his birthday suit underneath there. Yeah. The other thing is like the background. So like we got a refrigerator. I can't see your uh, screen too well, but there's stuff in the background. It looks like it's kind of messy back there. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a calendar on the uh, on the oh, refrigerator. Yeah. I, I can't tell what the if it's a leap year or not. Yeah. Like a mug on top of the refrigerator. There it looks like the top yeah. of my refrigerator. Got a lot of stuff on there. Yeah. I don't know what that is on the table. Uh, and there's I don't know there. what that is either. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But we've, you know, because of the creepy bathroom, we've put this on our list of some of the most disturbing album covers of all time. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually number 66. Yeah. This one, say, uh, what? Oh, just great album. You know, Nielsen's Nielsen, great album title bad cover <laughs> but some good songs on there so. yeah so we're up to number 69 this song was actually number 65 we all know who this is So, yes, there it is, Hurting Each Other by The Carpenters, off their album, A Song for You. And at this point, The Carpenters had had six top ten hits in a row. This was written in 1965 by Gary Geld and Peter Udell. And, uh, Peter what? Bell? U-D-E-L-L. So, Udell. Udall. Udall. Remember, there was that senator... Senator Udall from I don't know Utah or yeah one of those big big states out west. But this song has been recorded many times by artists ranging from Ruby and the Romantics to Rosemary Clooney, and the Carpenters recorded "Hurting Each Other" with instrumental backing from the Wrecking Crew, of course, and this one peaked at number two. And uh, Karen Ann Carpenter was born March 2nd, 1950 in New Haven, Connecticut, and unfortunately died on February 4th, 1983, only at the age of 32. But Brother Richard is still with us, and he is 77 years old. Here she is again. Actually, I think her and Richard are the same age. Her really? and Richard Carpenter. Yeah. But he loves you not. If a flame should stop. So well, this, talk- is, this, this, this has got to be a cover. Well, it, it, we've talked about this before. You, you should recognize the tune and not necessarily the words. Oh, Volare. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, oh, we you- talked about that. Forget yeah, I'll give you a hint. Perry Como. Big hit for Perry Como. It's, it's nap time. 
<laughs> You're close. It's it's impossible. Oh, that's right. It's impossible to stay awake when you're listening to Harry Como. No, but uh, yeah, this is The Way of Love by Cher off her album Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. And this was written by Jacques Jack Duval with English lyrics by Al Stillman. It was originally a 1960 French song titled Je la de toi. Very good. Re- J'ai le mal de toi. It was first recorded in English by Kathy Kirby in 1965. This cover by Cher is the best-known English version, getting the number seven. The second single from Gypsies, Trance, and Thieves. Other variations of the song included Parlez-moi de lui. Parlez-moi de lui. And it's impossible, as I mentioned. Uh, Sylvia. Sylvia's mother says Sylvia's busy, too busy to come to the phone. Sylvia's mother says Sylvia's trying to start a new life of her own. So, yeah, this is Sylvia's mother by Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. Off the album, Dr. Hook. This peaked at number five and got to number two in the UK. And it was written by Shel Silverstein. Silverstein was a brilliant storyteller with a vivid imagination. But this story was real. Silverstein told Rolling Stone 1972, I just changed the last name, not to protect the innocent, but because it didn't fit in the song. And it happened about eight years ago and was pretty much the way it was in the song. I called Sylvia and her mother said she can't talk to you. Shel Silverstein was a popular author and songwriter who wrote for both children and adults. He was a writer and cartoonist for Playboy magazine and a best-selling author of children's poems. He wrote A Boy Named Sue for Johnny Cash and another hit song for Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show, cover of The Rolling Stone. Ah. He died of a heart attack in 1999 at the age of 68. This is number 66. And the Delta of three from the real countdown. Yep. Second time we've seen these guys in this little grouping countdown. Yep. This is Three Dog Night. This is Black and White off their album Seven Separate Fools. This one got to number one, and it was uh, an influential American folk singer named Earl Robinson wrote this in 1954 with lyricist David Arkin, who is the father of actor Alan Arkin, who just passed away in June uh, at the age of 89. But the song is about racism and was inspired by a U.S. Supreme Court ruling that segregation in public schools is illegal. And this is one of four songs my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Aarons, had us sing. Two others were Una Paloma Blanca and Right Back Where We Started From. And the other one is going to come up later in the countdown. Ah. Daydreaming and I'm thinking of you. Daydreaming and 
Give me who's zooming who, please. So this is this Aretha Franklin. It is Daydreaming. So this is off her album Young, Gifted, and Black. And Aretha Franklin wrote this one. And Daydreaming sold more than a million copies, going to number one uh, on the R&B chart for two weeks and peaking at number five on the pop chart in the spring of 1972. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we lost the 23 Grammy Award winning Queen of Soul in 2018 at the age of 76. Whenever I chance to meet for 64. So this is this is Kiss an Angel this morning by Charlie Pride off the album Charlie Pride Sings Heart Songs. This is written by Ben Peters. The song has since become one of Charlie Pride's signature tunes and was his eighth song to reach number one on the country charts. It was also Pride's only single to reach the top 40 on the pop charts, peaking at number 21. We lost Charlie Pride on December 12th of 2020 at the age of 86. There's a video uh, I've seen on YouTube. I'll put it on the show notes, but uh, it's Stevie Wonder on Glenn Campbell's show, and they're sitting at a piano, and they're they're gonna do a song or something. They're trying to, you know, be answering back and forth, trying to figure out what they're gonna do, and then Stevie Wonder breaks into some Charlie Pride song or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty good. Well, if you've listened to FM radio the last fifty years classic rock um, when did that when did classic rock become classic rock like 95 you know, yeah you'll hear this if you listen to classic rock or great song yeah so let me say it not Lola. This is Layla by Derek and the Dominoes off the album Layla and Other Love Songs. This song, like Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton, was inspired by Clapton's love for Patty Boyd, the wife of his friend and fellow musician George Harrison of the Beatles. Boyd divorced Harrison in 1977 and married Clapton in 1979. The song was modeled after a love story that originated in 
7th century Arabia and later formed the basis for the story of Layla and Manjnun by the 12th century Persian poet. Uh, the song was co-written by Jim Gordon and the piano part has been controversially credited to Rita Coolidge who was Jim Gordon's girlfriend at the time. Two versions have achieved chart success. The first uh, was this one in 1972, and the second, 20 years later, as an acoustic unplugged performance by Clap Eric Clapton in uh, 2004. And Layla was ranked number 27 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. And the acoustic version won the 1993 Grammy Award for Best Rock Song. Dwayne Allman did lead guitar and slide guitar on this, and it reached number 10 in 1972. Well, I think we just recently lost Jim Gordon. His life the last 30 plus years or so hasn't been very good after he heard voices and uh, did some bad things. So, but uh, great song. All right. On to number 62. Great song. Happiest girl in the whole Sunshine. capital U dot capital S dot capital <laughs> A dot <laughs> by Donna Fargo, whose real name is Yvonne Vaughn. So I always have the question: Why isn't she happy internationally? Just in the that's right, USA. But uh, yeah, this was written, composed, and recorded by Donna Fargo. It has since become her signature song. Went to number one on the country charts and number eleven on the pop chart. Uh, this won best female country vocal performance uh, from the Grammys in 1973. Donna Fargo is known for a series of top 10 country hits in the 70s. These include this song and Funny Face, both of which were released in 1972 and became crossover pop hits that year. And she's still with us. She turned 78 on November 8th. Oh, happy birthday. Number 61. And what's interesting about this song, it was actually number 25. Ah, so more popular. Yeah, 36 notch difference using wow. the lexicon of Casey. Yeah, so they didn't they didn't like it at. Uh, Watermark Productions. <laughs> well, it's a terrible name for an artist. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. So, so this is "How Do You Do" by Mouth and McNeil off their album "How Do You Do," and uh, these are a couple of Dutchmen, don't you know? This peaked at number eleven, and this is Mouth and McNeil's biggest claim to fame, and their only hit in the U.S. They were actually Wilhelm Mouth Doyne and Maggie McNeil. Uh, the, her real name I can't pronounce. It's uh, I'll maybe have the computer try it, but uh, Schalke Fenspeaker. 
They were a pop duo formed in the Netherlands in 1971, and they had a moderately successful career in Scandinavia and Europe, but never again charted in the U.S. Amongst their notable hits in Europe were I See a Star, which hit number one in Ireland, and Hey You Love, which charted number five in the Dutch Top 40. They also made an appearance on the Eurovision Song Contest, once coming in third behind ABBA. But I, I mentioned this the last time we had them on. I, I get the impression they were the Dutch Captain and Tennille. <laughs> So this song, we're up to number 60 in our countdown, was actually number 82, the 22 notch difference. Ah. You know, that bit right there, this whole thing almost sounds like Sprechstimme. Sprechstimme. Yeah. Proto rapping almost. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So, yeah, this is Freddy's Dead by Curtis Mayfield. And this single was released before the Superfly album, which was the soundtrack to the movie, and before the film was in theaters. The song peaked at number four. And yeah, the song laments the death of Fat Freddy, a character in the film uh, who is run over by a car. Like most of the music from the Superfly album, Freddy's Dead appears in the film only in an instrumental arrangement without any lyrics. Uh, because of this uh, usage, the song was subtitled Theme from Superfly on its single release, but not on the album. And it's not to be confused with Superfly, a different song, and the second single release from the Superfly album. So... Anyway, this song was uh, nominated for a Grammy Award in the category of Best R&B Song, but lost to Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Great bass. I think I like this song better. Ooh, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Uh, Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Damn good song. <laughs> do, you th- do you think they were both done by the California Raisins at some point in time? Probably Papa was a Rolling Stone. I don't know about this one. This seems a little dark. Well, the other one's kind of dark too, but <laughs> this is really dark. <laughs> Freddie, the Raisin getting run over by a car. <laughs> All right, so now we're up to number 59. This song was 59 both on the real countdown and the watermark production countdown. So, uh, showing the album art for those of you watching on Channel 18. Yeah. Al Green, and he's uh, in his uh, uh, Morticia Adams chair, <laughs> right? Yeah. With some with nice leather patent high-heeled shoes on, you know, men's high-heeled shoes for the day, wearing a white tuxedo, 
got rings on his fingers. And there's a a settee there. Is there anything on that table? <sighs> so it looks like there's something, but very small. Is that like a cigarette? It is. There? But and yeah. The planter around him was too nice keeping the air clean. He's looking good. Yes. Black so, socks. Yeah. So the song is uh, I'm Still in Love with You, and it's off the album of the same name. The reason I sort of highlighted this album cover is Al Green has said himself that he he never felt or looked cooler than he did when they took the photograph <laughs> for this album. It's a very bright white album. The furniture is wicker. It's white, and he's got a white suit on, which contrasts with you know his skin and his hair. And those dark socks you got on and just uh the pose it's a it's a it's a cool album cover actually it is i like maybe, it. maybe this was the uh uh the genesis of the glenn hughes christmas lp yeah it's a, it's a lot better than that one <laughs> but uh yeah this is the title track off the album this one peaked at number three it was written by al green willie mitchell and al jackson jr this was one of al green's 13 top 40 hits in the 70s with let's stay together going to number one on both the pop and r b charts in 1971 and per Cashbox, he is the 14th best-selling artist of the 70s, just be just ahead of Olivia Newton-John and just behind Rod Stewart. And the most reverend Al Green is still with us. He is 77 as well. So him, Cher, and who was the other one that was 77? Uh, not Charlie Pride. Not Joe Simon. Alice Cooper? Uh, no, no, the guy from... Jeez, it was only 40 minutes ago. So Richard, Al Green. Richard Carpenter. Richard Carpenter. Al Green actually had three songs in this top 100 countdown. Yeah. So his, uh, his other ones were, uh, uh, let's see. Was uh, Let's Stay Together, Look What You've Done to Me number 11 and 54 yeah. so big big year for mr for reverend Algrid. that's right so this is a mother and child reunion by paul simon off his album paul simon and he recorded this song in jamaica using jimmy cliff's musicians hence the very authentic reggae sound and this was the lead single off his second solo studio album. This got to number four, and Simon came up with the title after seeing a chicken and egg dish called Mother and Child Reunion on the menu at 456 Restaurant in Chinatown, New York. And this was one of eight top 40 hits for Paul Simon with two number ones. And he was the 53rd best-selling artist of the 70s, just ahead of the Partridge family and just behind James Taylor. So looking at the LP cover here, in a way, all, almost looks like Alfred E. Newman wearing a... Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because my mouse pointer's right there yeah. uh, over his tooth. Well, what I was going to ask you about this, so he's, yeah, 
And Paul Simon's wearing one of the we we call them snorkel jackets. A snorkel jacket, yeah. 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 In fact, did you have one? I had one. I I had one day. later on. Everyone else had them, and I got one later. Yeah, yeah, but they. But it wasn't cool to have one anymore. Yeah, they were basically like a winter jacket that was, uh, I guess, kind of like a nylon shell, waterproof, but a a big hood with a furry fringe, and your head would be kind of way back in the hood. There were some that were like the the hood stuck way out. I remember <laughs> there was a variability about the, how far the hood extended in front of your face. <laughs> Great song. Yeah. You know, I should maybe maybe try and make Mother Child in Reunion sometime. Yeah. You know, is it They're, is it like a Yeah, I wonder what they I, do with the chicken. Is it Yeah. Is it I like, mean, uh, like like if you get Chinese food, you know, they might have chicken fried rice, you know, with an egg in it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Typically it's pork, but Boy, it makes kind of me hungry. <laughs> so, this is City of New Orleans by Arlo Guthrie off the album Hobo's Lullaby. Uh, not Drifter's Lullaby. <laughs> This one got to number four. It was written by Steve Goodman, first recorded for his self-titled 1971 album, describing a train ride from Chicago to New Orleans on the Illinois Central Railroad's City of New Orleans. Um, I was thinking about this. This song is kind of the prequel to Kenny Rogers' The Gambler because they talk about playing cards on the on the train late. Yeah. But... Uh, I really like this song. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this, this would prove to be Arlo Guthrie's only top 40 hit. And uh, City of New Orleans spent two weeks at number one. Charting what, throughout. the Pickles the pickle song didn't beat it out? <laughs> no. <laughs> but this was uh, charting throughout the winter of 1973. His song, Massachusetts, was named the official folk song of the state in which he lived most of his adult life. And uh, he's still with us. He's 76. And this was the other song that we would sing in Mr. Aaron's Oh, really? Class. Yeah. yeah. So I can sing the whole thing. Wow. So this is number 57 in, in the real countdown. It was number 45. So difference of 12. Good thing everything's in integers. So... <laughs> But, but Mark, this song is the, what is it, Penupulate? Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nate, <laughs> Nate from the Deep Purple podcast always does that well. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to try. Of, of our countdown, because we're only yeah. doing the top 25 of the bottom of the top 80 <laughs> of 1972. <laughs> so... The last song on our countdown is number 56 for both the Watermark production crew and the Billboard Hot 100. You ready for it? Yeah. Now. 
that's an awesome LP cover. Yeah. So this is T Rex, and uh, the LP cover is it, it's completely contrast with Al Green's, right? It, it's it's like almost a completely black album cover. Here it is, Bang a Gong, and uh, but it's got like uh, a guy playing the guitar. That's Mark Bolin. Mark Bolin, I'm Bolin. assuming. Yep, yep. and. Uh, He's got an amplifier behind him, like a two two decker, and it's outlined almost in like an electric haze halo, if you will. But uh, yeah, good looking album cover. His shoes are almost like Al Green shoes, you know, with the high heels. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Except they're black. Yeah, and it's got on his sleeve that's like a a jacket. He's got like three buttons. Uh, yep. So yeah, this uh, this one peaked at number ten. Uh, Bang a gong. Uh, parentheses get it on. It was written by Mark Bolin, and this song is all about getting it on. But this imagery so comically vague, it would be hard to even the most uh, prudish listeners to take offense. Uh, the song was written and recorded when T Rex was touring America in 1971. Uh, this is a great example of glam rock, which was characterized by outrageous, often effeminate costumes, nonsensical lyrics, driving beats, and a very theatrical stage show. And Mark Bowen took his name from Bob Dylan, the bow from Bob and the lawn from Dylan. <laughs> so his real name is Mark Feld. And um, he unfortunately died in 1977, only at the age of 29 in a car accident. Ooh. Well, we kind of talked about that with the David Bowie, uh, Bing Crosby thing. Right. Uh, the last episode where David Bowie had done a uh, special on the yeah. English TV or British TV. Yeah. And uh, do you remember in 1985? That, oh yeah, the Power Station. Yep, the supergroup, the Power Station, which included Robert Palmer and members of Duran Duran, released this as a single under the title "Get It On," and their version went to number nine in the U.S. and number twenty-two in the U.K. Yeah, uh, T Rex. They did a couple of dates in London in 1970 with Rory Gallagher. Rory Gallagher. All right. Well, you know what? I think we should hear the number one song of 1971, according to Billboard. All right, so I'm going to go find that, okay? All right. So, stand by. Put, Put the waiting music on. Okay. have a little Casey and he'll introduce the number one song of 1972. We're ready for the number one record of the year, the biggest hit of 1972. You know, it was made a hit by a non-singing movie star who used the recording in a movie of his. In June of 1969, an album called First Take was released. It was by an unknown female blues and jazz singer who also plays piano. 
Well, the album got good reviews, but it didn't burn up the charts, and no hit singles came out of it. But a year later, one of Hollywood's top box office draws, Clint Eastwood, fell in love with a song from that album and made a deal to use it in a picture of his, a picture that was released a little over a year ago, a picture called Play Misty for Me. And the exposure from that movie of Clint Eastwood's gave Roberta Flack her first number one record. And it was such a smash that it became the number one record of the year. The first time ever I saw you. Did you ever see Play Misty for me? Uh, I have actually. It's a it's a good movie. I haven't with without without giving away spoilers, uh, but Clint Eastwood is a disc jockey in it, and uh, uh, so somebody wants the song Misty played, but it's kind of like an earlier version of that movie Fatal Attraction. I saw that. Yeah, and uh, of course the the female star was uh, she just passed away. Oh God. Um, I can't. Sally Field is still alive. Yeah, I'll have to have the computer stick it in here. But um, she's she's very good in it. Jessica Walter. Oh, okay. She did the voiceovers on the uh, cartoon Archer, which I I always really liked. Uh, Yeah, when did she Archer? Yeah, when did she pass away? Twenty. 2021 yeah was she ever on the love boat oh i'm sure yeah she oh yeah was... eight episodes yeah yeah oh so did she have a recording character a recurring character or just uh it says like various curious. yeah yeah but i think the reason i know that is because i actually went down a love boat uh, uh wormhole and 32 actors or actresses that won the academy award had been in the love boat so like uh-huh. ernest borgnine and donna michi and uh uh later on of course uh who's the guy from bosom buddies uh, tom hanks tom hanks yeah and i think she won a uh an oscar an oscar right yeah 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 it's a, it's a good song to take a nap with. <laughs> it's uh, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. I don't I don't know that I would listen to it often, but it's a really beautiful song. Her voice is great, and uh, uh, Roberta Flack did a great job with it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a little seventies weekly countdown extra. But we have <laughs> we have work to do. Just just like. Uh, who are those guys? They got work. <sighs> We've had that song. Not the average white band. Work. Work. Call me out. Uh, I'm not this sure. episode two. I'm not sure what, what song you're referring to. You're not thinking of Bachman Turner Overdrive. No, take, no. Taking care no, of business. No, no, no. Um, no, no, no. Oh, work. 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 That's it? You'll figure work. it out. Work? Yeah, I got work to do. Booga 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 boo. Ever I saw I'm, 
I'm trying it's a, to like complete blank. It's a, it's a song with like horns and stuff. Work. Who are those guys from Scotland? No, that's that's average white band. It's not those guys. Okay, I don't know. I'll, I'll stick it Is in it? here. <laughs> all right, all right. We're gonna we're gonna stop this. All right. Because we have we have work to do. Like I said. Yeah. So here we go. So yeah, this is uh, the time we do our picks and things. And the first one we always do is, of course, that song we think will torture the other guy that we call. Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Slug. All right. I'm going to agonize you with number 64. Whenever I chance to meet. Because I know how you love some old friends on country the music. Yeah, yeah. And the steel pedal. Yeah, good, good agonizer. Uh, although I think Charlie Pride's got a good voice and talented guy, but yeah. Was he ever on the love boat? Ah, that's a good question. I <laughs> got to have that love boat cross reference up at all times. Uh-uh. So, so last night, it was Three's Company where, where Jack has to play his twin brother austin oh another <laughs> doppelganger episode a doppelganger episode. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me because he put on a on a cowboy hat and, and talked like charlie pride is singing right now uh, and mr furley was was just loved austin yeah what was he supposed to be from texas too the, oh uh, yeah oh yeah okay because uh mr furley's uh, niece was there and of course his brother owned the building and mr Froley was just the the caretaker i guess and and he thought he was spying on her and <laughs> there was you know you know uh fireworks between jack and and uh and the niece and he says and jack says of course jack because of his character could not uh become friends with her so he invented austin ah uh, okay and hijinks ensued. Right. Oh, hijinks ensued. Yes. yes. All right. What are you going to agonize me with? Yeah, I, I thought you might pick this one. So I texted you before we recorded the episode and said that I, I think we need to suspend the rules because there's so few songs in this countdown in terms of if we pick the thing before or whatever. Because uh, Oh, no, no. Yeah, this is this is a, a special. So yeah, things yeah. are... Uh, I'll cue up the rollerball suspend the rules clip right here. Attention, your attention, please. Rule changes for tonight's world championship game. No substitution, no penalties, and no time limit. I thought you were going to pick this one for me. So I picked, I hope I get the numbers right here. Number 62. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. Okay, good job. I would turn the radio. Yeah, yeah. No, no shade on Donna Fargo, but uh, yep. yeah, just uh, not our cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna stay right in between our agonizers, and I'm gonna give you the best song of the countdown. Okay. Number sixty-three. Hey, this is this is great. I mean, I, I don't get tired of this. Yeah, I 
I hemmed and hawed a little bit, but um, we can play the winning prices right music because I picked this as well. Wow. The, my only detractor on this song is I think that outro with the piano sometimes is a little lengthy. <laughs> well, if you listen to American Top 40, they play the single version. Yeah. Although, didn't I read where for this episode they played the whole, they played the long version? No, they played the long version of American Pie. Ah, okay. But yeah, great song. Of course, uh, Dwayne Allman, guitar, and yeah, you you will still hear this all the time. Yep. Well, I'm going to stay in the same orbit in the worst song of the countdown. <laughs> Here it comes again. <laughs> okay, oh. yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Enough said. Yeah, you know, I I actually went back and forth between this and something else. So maybe just for diversity's sake, I'll I'll pick something else for the worst song of the countdown. And uh, so well, you already hold on, you can't use this. You can't use it twice. Oh, okay. You could go back and and recycle from previous episodes. All right, then I then. The and therefore I'm, I'm fine so i uh, <laughs> so i didn't break any rules uh, yeah yeah so i went with yeah. uh number 67 Sylvia. Yeah, I just right. I, I I would turn the radio on this one. I I can't stomach it. Yeah. All right. Our next uh, category. Who used to say that? Richard Dawson. Next category, please. Was it him? I don't know. Or was it Gene Rayburn? Maybe it was. They didn't have categories, though, did you? <laughs> uh, match game? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, he's from Croatia. Gene Rayburn? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Like Bill so, Belichick. What is is Rayburn his real name, or is he like maybe? Uh, All right. So, my guilty pleasure. Number seventy-five. Yeah, this is this is good. If you're going to do something like this, make it entertaining, and they and they succeeded. Yeah, and this is so much better than booked on classics, and you know. This is kind of new, even though that guy who dressed up as Mozart, not Bach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was that record from like 1970? Well, there was switched on Bach. That. Uh, <laughs> was I thinking of that? Ah, Bach. Uh, maybe he's in front of the 
synthesizer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he's got the power of Stevie wig. Wonder's. In, yeah, in front of yeah. Stevie Wonder's machine. My, yeah, my sister had that album. Oh yeah, I think it's upstairs in the collection that came from my folks' house. Oh, yeah. this is nice, and, it, and you'll hear this at church. And I like it. Yeah. So, in this guitar part. Yeah, great tone. So. I wonder, did uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra ever do like a version of this? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I could picture the guitarist with the, you know. Have you ever seen them? No. No. It's a, it's a pretty entertaining show. All right. What is your guilty pleasure? Yeah, um, I picked this before as my guilty pleasure and you got mad at me, but it's a guilty pleasure. So here we go. Number 61. Oh. All right. It's a nice song. It's catchy. It's upbeat. Yeah. And it's by the uh, Dutch Captain and Tennille. <laughs> I think their album cover, they were in like a diner or something. I can't remember. What do you call a diner in Holland? Uh, I don't know. Do they have them? Can you get Scotch eggs there? Or can you only get that in Scotland? Scotland? I don't know. Can you get mother-child reunion? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, All right. So, I don't know if I I had picked this for a... uh, A story song. We had a whole bunch of story songs that that we could have. Yeah. And, uh, and I picked number seventy-eight. I can remember being on the school bus <laughs> in nineteen seventy-two or seventy-three, and everyone was singing the song, and I was like. Yeah, I was I was seven or eight years old. I don't remember. Yeah, but this is this. Alice Cooper's right. This is the Star Spangled Banner of the last day of school, but without a doubt, still is. I, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's just a hard rocking. You got the freedom of summer ahead of you. So. Yep. Plus, he had a job picking tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where you were singing. Were you singing like gospel songs while you picked tobacco? <laughs> You've never seen uh, Take the Money and Run with Woody Allen where he's on the chain gang? Uh, I think I have seen that. It's probably been 45 years. Yeah. There's one guy in the chain gang singing this song, gonna see Miss Liza, gonna go to Mississippi. And then uh, Woody Allen starts singing along with him and then he just like stops like he's soloing and he's <laughs> They beat him up or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What is your story song of the week? Yeah, yeah. Again, since the rules were suspended, I think I might have picked this before, but uh, number 73. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Yeah, because we could have used city, City of New Orleans... Yeah, even Puppy Love, Puppy Love could have been a story song. 
Freddie's dead. Happiest girl in the whole USA. Kiss an angel in the morning. Yeah, coconut. Cowboy's work is never done. Yeah. Never been to Spain. Saturday in the park. Yeah. 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 I mean, a plethora of story songs. But this this is a real narrative, though. Oh, yeah. Beginning and end. Smoke that cigarette or whatever. Resolution and yeah. Okay. So. We have the most divergent songs coming up, right? Yeah. All right. So, so a lot less to pick from than usual. Yeah. You want to go first? I'm sure I'll go first. I don't think I did a very good job, but here goes. Well, I'll be the judge. Yeah, sure. You always are. Um, so, so my first divergent is number 60. Freddie's dead. Yeah, Freddie's dead. So that Freddie hit by a car, dead, and this is a uh, really sad, really sad song. What a waste. Um, so that is definitely the opposite of number seventy-five. Did I get it right? Yep. Okay. This is joy. I thought I thought you were going to pick the happiest girl in the whole USA. <laughs> Could have. I'm like, oh my gosh, is, is, am I getting it wrong? Maybe Freddie was her uh, deadbeat husband. Is yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. That's good. I don't know. I didn't try very hard. Yeah. Well. They're definitely two different vibes. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. All right. Well, my, uh, what's this thing called? Diversion songs? Yeah. I'm going to start with number eight. What, what podcast is this? <laughs> yep. So this is about a witch. Ah. The witch of New Orleans. Yeah. Fire. And the red bone. And that... You're gonna have a witch. What's the opposite of a witch? Possibly an angel. Yes. It's an angel in the morning. Ah, yeah. You know what's funny? I I thought of that combo myself, but went with something else. <laughs> so, we, I don't know if we could play the winning music or not, but that's why I was able to guess what you were going <laughs> you know, Here we are. We were little kids when this came out. Um, you know, of course, with older siblings who really... Had control of the radio if we they even had one, you know. Right. You know, it wasn't that often in my household that children could control the radio. My my daughter never controlled the radio because she was post radio, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. She would ask for songs to be played on the in the car when I had the you know, after I, I got the smartphone. 
you know, they she wanted to hear yeah. Monster Bash. It's like okay, because yeah, so it was around thing. Yeah, did she have like an iPod or something? When did the iPods come out? They came out in the like 2004 or something. I don't know. I never had one, but yeah. she had an iPhone, but she never put music on it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's all different now. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Yeah, yeah. Interesting episode. Hopefully so, do we want to go out shorter. with something else? Yeah, I would, I would like to, but uh, yeah, pick something up. Uh... All right, we'll go out with uh, with Harry. Which, um, this song, I think I remember when it was out. Oh, I do too. It was yeah. a novelty. Yeah, so, um, yep, we're, we're finishing up 2023, my friend, I think. Mm-hmm. In terms of the podcast, it was a lot of fun. Um, yep. We had some really fun episodes to record. We had some guests. And, um, yeah, I, I had a good time doing it. Oh, absolutely. Any uh, New Year's resolutions uh, thinking about? Or? Oh, gosh, no. No. Too soon. <laughs> I'll think about it on Sunday. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really do that either because I never seem to be able to keep it. But, uh, yeah. Or, you or I'll just make you know. some general one, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, uh, very good. Well, I wish you the best in the new year, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's all good. Happy New Year, everybody. Yes, uh, Happy New Year out there. Uh, visit us on the Twitter at 70s Weekly or at 70s Weekly. And uh, post a lot of stuff on the 70s, repost other people's stuff about the 70s. So have some fun there. All right, sir. Happy New Year. And I guess I'll close this out with something Casey might say, which would be... Does it have anything to do with the New Year? Uh, no. Should it? It should. <laughs> well, maybe this is stuff you should do in the New Year. Uh, what is... Keep banging oh. a gong and keep driving that hot rod Lincoln. Happy New Year.